Um, I actually would like to talk a little bit about. Okay, so it has been. It has legitimately been uh, almost a month since we've recorded one of these. That's right. It's been ages. Um, in fact, I can I could tell with the power of um, our recording history when the last time we did one of these was uh, in terms of actually recording it. Oh, which was episode thirty. Thirty episodes. That's not bad. No, it is not. Um, as actually, my goodness, is that right? Would we record it September seventeenth? That cannot be right. That's wild. But it must it must be. So it's even longer. Some of those dates are on the twenty seventh, though, aren't they? So that is when I uh, edited the episode. But oh, okay. I think the last time we recorded one of these was mid September, and it is now. So it is over, well over. Well, it's because I had to move through October. Yeah. And well, and we and I had SPX, and I had Took mice to go time. to. Yeah. Uh, it so was a mess. There was a lot of stuff. So yeah, I think the last time an episode, Mindy had a horrible injury, and then. Um, well, it's not. It's not. It's not over. It's just. I still had to move and do laundry and all that other stuff. Yeah, it turns out you actually have to do chores on weekends. Yeah. This isn't your like full-time job. It's true. Who knew? Um, but I think the last episode actually went out, uh, went live while I was at MICE. Because we actually had planned a little bit ahead. Okay. Um, but even with uh, like you know that kind of lead time, that episode went out on October 2nd. And it is now. We're recording this on November 5th. Yeah, it's been a little while. Uh, and this episode won't go up. For maybe, like, you know, there's a chance I'll get this out tomorrow, but I'll be realistic. It's more likely this will go out in a week. <laughs> mm. So, yeah, it'll it'll have been over a month break since we had an episode go live. Yeah. So. Oh, we're recording now, so that's good. And I we have more plans to record soon. That's so true. So we'll be back. You know, there's there's still a chance that we will finish the year with our with my stated goal of 24 episodes for mm. the season if yeah. you will because so we recorded 12 in 2022 so we were at 12 episodes last episode was episode 30 this is going to be episode 31 yeah we need to get to 36 episodes by the end of the year it's feasible so we have to record three episodes this month and three episodes next month yeah. let's go Tight. all the holidays it's doable but but we have and we have enough, I think, planned out for November. Yeah. In terms of material, where we'll, we will record this one and two more episodes in November. December is going to be the tricky month. Yeah. We'll have to see. So, but anyway, what are we here to talk about, Adam? That's a good question. Oh, so who are we? Oh, who are we? Uh, I'm Adam. And I'm Alex. That's right. And this is Double A. It's Double A. That's the first time we did that. Because there's like two. Kind of like that. Yeah. The power. <laughs> the power is growing. It's a good intro. We should do it's that true. more often. Maybe. <laughs> Yeah, so Alex, tell our, you, you were telling me to say why we're here, yes. right? Yeah. We're talking about Batman Wayne Family Adventures. Heck yeah. That's right. Alex, tell us about Wayne Family Adventures. All right, so Wayne Family Adventures is a Webtoon collaboration between Webtoon and DC Comics. Um, and one of several. There's a lot of these out there, apparently. But it is probably one of the more successful ones because yeah. Batman just prints money, apparently. It does. Batman's very popular. Yep. If you're listening... To this podcast, you may not realize that Batman is as popular as it is, but I, I should remind you that, uh, you know, there's a lot of Batman out there. It feels like uh, maybe there's too, too much. much Batman. There's too much. There's yeah. 100% too much Batman out there. I will die on that hill. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Um, it, it, it is tiring how much Batman there is out there. It's but true. But that's the point. But something, something does stand out about Wayne Family Adventures to the point yes. that I've seen several 
Batman fans who are very tired of Batman otherwise say, I wish that regular Batman comics were more like Wayne Family Adventures. Would you right. say that you agree with that? Absolutely. I, okay. I would say that I would agree with that to the extent that pretty much uh, DC slash Webtoon could have put anyone. They could have put a bunch of dancing monkeys on this project. Yeah. And because there was such a like lack of content for this particular, like, at least official content for this particular niche, it would have done well. So what is that niche? So it's kind of this like slice of life. Yeah. You know, so let's, wholesome, talk, let's con- talk about yeah, it. Yeah, like, like okay, what is yeah. this thing? So, so, okay. So what, what is uh, Wayne family adventures? Wayne family adventures is essentially a very slice of life, family centric narrative about like the little moments in the lives of the extended uh, bat family. Yeah. And I mean extended because it is not simply Bruce Wayne and Damien and Alfred and maybe like Dick and Tim. It is like, Barbara Gordon and is Stephanie Williams. I'm making that up. Spoiler. Uh, I wrote them all down. I think it's, it's Stephanie Williams. Uh, Stephanie Brown. Brown Williams. Where did I come up with Williams? Oh, it's a mystery. Uh, I knew that my brain was anyway. Stephanie Brown. Thank you. Uh, Cassandra Kane. Um, and uh, oh my God, uh, Signal. What's his name? I'm oh, blanking on uh, his Signal's name. Signal's name is. I wrote it down. Duke Thomas. Duke Thomas. My That's goodness. Right. Um, See, this is why I take notes this before is, the recording. You know, Alex. I, I I thought I knew all of these characters, but then you put a microphone I was in counting front of on me, it, Alex. and suddenly my brain just you was were like, the, I you don't were know. the chosen one, Not Stephanie Brown. You were my brother, Williams. Alex. Oh my god. Okay. Um, uh, can you? So, do we want to quickly explain who some of these people are for people who might be familiar? Like, if you are a Bat novice, you probably know that Batman's Bruce Wayne. You know that Alfred right. Pennyworth the Butler is there. You may know, for instance, there's like a couple different Robins of various kinds who have been his assistants throughout bat history. There's a few bat girls as well. So there's a couple of things that I want to touch on before we kind of get to that. Okay. That's fine. Um, the first of which is when this comic came out, which yeah. was actually uh, the first episode launched on uh, September 8th, 2021. So okay. it's been running for roughly two years now. Right. Um, and it's kind of wild to me at least, how much has happened in these two years in terms of hmm. like mainline DC continuity. Right. Um, so you mean the Batman comic books themselves? Correct. Than right. Family Adventures. I because see. coming to it, so I did not read, that's a, kind of a critical thing. I think neither of us read yeah. this as it was coming out. We both kind of went back to it recently. That's right. Um, but where it stands in, because well, first of all, it doesn't stand in continuity. It exists mm. in this kind of like, sort of vague place. Outside in fact, of there's continuity. stuff in there that contradicts continuity as it exists now. Right? And that's exactly the point I'm yeah. trying to get to. There are things that actually contradict that even more so hmm. uh, than when it came out. Really? And I think some of it is purposely so, and I'm going to explain what I mean by that, where they are pretty much casting everyone in the extended Bat family into their most distinct roles. Really? So that it wouldn't be as confusing. With one exception, I think, where I, th- I do think they kind of misstepped a little bit because we don't actually have a proper bad girl. Yeah. Um, but I'll get to that in a, in a, in a minute. So, I should say also that we're only talking about the first season of Wayne Family Adventures. Oh, yeah, that is worth noting. For this podcast. Yeah. There are, I think, a second season is running right now. It might be close to ending. Possibly. So we know, can't speak to that. Well into it, but but uh, yeah. the first season includes something like 52 little short comics. So there's plenty to talk about. I think it's 51. There. They missed the mark on on the, the DC favorite number of 52 by like one. What? Is, yeah. I can't I, I believe like, it. That's, that's it a was right there. Right oh, my now. God. Okay. Uh, it's like the, all the nerds did weep. Um, anyway. So but what I mean by that is so Barbara Gordon is 
you know, known as maybe bad girl, That's known right. as maybe Oracle is in this as Oracle. That's right. So she's in a wheelchair. Uh, right. And she's at the computers and she fights crime. Right. Which, Which is probably, I think, her best form, if you if you want. It's what maybe what she's best known for right. by the yeah. fandom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, although DC kind of controversially put her back into bad girl mantle recently, and that's yeah. been a whole thing. Um, it's complicated. It is. But where I think I, we lose something there is that the other two notable bad girls, uh, meaning Stephanie Brown, a.k.a. Spoiler, mm. or Bad Girl, and Cass Kane, a.k.a. Bad Girl or Orphan, neither of them are Bad Girl in this. And both. Of, and actually, I will say that Orphan is probably one of the least well-known permutations really? of Cassandra Kane, in my opinion, at least. I think it was more so where she was at in the at the time where this comic was coming out. But since then, both essentially the bad girls kind of decided, well, decided DC Comics editorial at some point in the past, like several years, decided that we should have not one, but several bad girls. Mm. And ergo, there was a bad girls book, which lasted for a little bit, where essentially all the bad girls were allowed to be bad girls. And Barbara Gordon would kind of switch between either being Oracle in the chair or occasionally uh, step forward as like the OG bad girl. So she could do both. Right. Well, that's kind of cool. So you actually had like a trio of bad girls out there at times. And I thought that was a very cool dynamic. Um, But we're not here to talk about the ifs and or buts, but I think it's interesting who they chose for every character. Although, you know, you do have this background with Batman. So I was curious to hear uh, what you thought about how this book works out. I am curious to hear what you meant when you say that they sort of chose the most optimal form of each of these characters. So I guess what you're saying is they sort of found the niche for each one in the best of their ability to sort of say, oh, this is like who they are within well, this, larger, this larger dynamic. What I mean by that is they tried to make them all distinct alter egos. Okay. So you can't have more than one Robin. So right. if Damian Wayne is Robin, then Tim Drake cannot also be Robin. Yeah, so something else. Tim Drake gets to be Red Robin. Mm. Not Drake, thankfully. This actually, uh, I, I, I looked that up because apparently the past few years are a blur. This comic came out after the Brian Michael Bendis Young Justice where Tim Drake takes on the moniker of Drake. Oh, really? Which is still a horrible, horrible decision. See, I totally forgot that Brian Michael Bendis did Young Justice, which is why it's you're okay. here to tell me these things. We're happens. all better off for forgetting that because oh, it, was, it was, I still Brian Michael Bendis. collection, but that's not the point. Uh, yeah, man, the Bendis run in DC was bad. God, okay. Uh, but that's, again. So getting back to Wayne Family Adventures. Yes. Getting it's back called to- Wayne Family Adventures because it's about a family. Right. Correct. I guess. And they have adventures is how it goes. Well, and they have, I think, personal adventures. I think the most adventurous we get in this is like, oh, no, relationship troubles for Duke Thomas. Or, yeah. You know. So there's a specific chapter very early on. In fact, it might be the second chapter, which is a cookie chapter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I feel like the cookie chapter of Wayne Family Adventures, even more than the first chapter of Wayne Family Adventures, is sort of the mission statement. It's saying this is a kind of book you're about to be reading. And in the cookie chapter, the Wayne family adventures, the Wayne family fights over a plate of cookies. And it's amazing. And that, that's all it is. It's just the different characters saying, uh, Alfred the butler makes really good cookies. We need to get the cookies before everyone else can get the cookies. And the only winner is Alfred. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Which and, is all you need to know. And that's it's this book in a nutshell, right? It's yeah. some completely trivial thing that otherwise, compared to like the mainstream Batman adventure, right. doesn't really matter. And yet... That's what they're focusing on because this is like Wayne Family Adventures is like a 
bunch of little fanficy one shots about Batman, Batman characters, right? But I think in the fact that it does manage to be that, it hits the nail on the head so perfectly for yeah. something that I don't think anyone necessarily. Well, I, that's not true. A lot of people knew that this is something that people wanted, mm. but it's something that DC didn't realize that people right. wanted, um, which is that people have this great love for all of these characters yeah and for all of the big superhero like stories that we do enjoy with all these characters there's too many of those but not enough of these can you tell me something about like your experience with batman and like reading through it and forming like this love for the cast would you say so like how did he become attached not just the oh, batman but question. to the batman extended cast in general because this is a series about the batman extended cast right um I think for me, it's a combination of of factors, the greatest of which is Batman the Animated Series, as mm. it probably is for a lot of people who are born similar generation as yeah. I. Me I, too, I was, honestly. Right, There's yeah. a lot of it I haven't seen, but just like the general impression of it. I mean, it. just growing up, being of that age in yeah. the 90s. Um, that really kind of you know, sold that character to me. Yeah, um, yeah, because I was I was born in you know late 80s, so I mm. was perfect age, you yep. know, um, to, to get into that show. Um as with a lot of this, and again, growing up in Romania, I didn't have access to a lot of comics. But one of the comics that actually, so they actually brought comics over, were started to bring comics over when I was, you know, again, during that mid to late 90s time frame where I was, again, right age to a, be able to read and be, be really, really interested in superheroes. Right. And you want to guess what that co- Batman comic was they brought over? In the 80s? No, this is the 90s. Oh, the 90s. So this is like sorry, the 90s. sorry. Was it The Dark Knight Returns, The Killing Joke? No, no. <laughs> okay, go ahead. It was the comic book adaptation of the animated series. Oh, there you go. I guess that makes sense. Which, or not adaptation. I didn't know there was one. I guess adaptation is the wrong w- way to put it. It was the sort of tie-in comic that oh, DC interesting. Uh, did, uh, which got translated into Romanian. That's and interesting. Up through, like, I think the first 12 issues, I c- it it got adapted, and I religiously bought it, and I loved the hell out of it. Did I Bruce wish I still Tim had those. work on it, or was it just adapted from what was in the um, show? So um, those early, um, I actually don't know who the credits are for those. I don't know that Bruce Tim worked on it. Mm. I think Paul Dini did co-write okay. some of those with Alan Burnett, and I think Ty Templeton did most of the art oh, for really? some of those. Well, and still did it, because they did like some new... Um, a comic set in that world recently. Right. Oh, and huh. they brought Ty Templeton back for those. That's cool. I mean, I guess it is like a nostalgia thing now, right? Like, I feel like, like you said, Batman the Animated Series is kind of a holy text for a certain generation of people in terms of superhero material. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I and I will say those comics still to this day have like such a soft spot in my heart. Um, mm. all right. I, so I looked it up. Um, I Ty Templeton for the win. He he did the art for the first one. It was actually um. Kelly Puckett, though, who wrote those oh, uh, cool. earlier okay. issues. Uh, but again, names that you, I think, heard uh, to some extent, I think, mentioned in those, you know, in, the, in the, maybe the animated series as well. Yeah. Um, context. And but, it, it did change because, uh, like, some of the art later on is by other folks. But Ty Templeton, I think, is the most consistently associated with this series of comics. Really? Um, so I mean, this is what turned you on a Batman then? Absolutely. But how about the other Batman characters? Like, when did you sort of become more interested in them as well? Well, so... Or was this series also what turned you the, on to I them mean, the well? series features everything from, you know, uh, Robin. Yeah. I mean, both Dick Grayson and uh, Tim Drake. Okay. And actually, I think mentions Jason Todd as well. And then you get Batgirl in it as well. Right. Um, 
and it kind of extends from there. Um, it wasn't really that I got into the extended cast of of Batman uh, probably until later. Um, it's worth noting that in was it 1999, mm. I came to visit the U.S. Okay, and during that visit. I did find my way to a comic book store. Yeah. And bought some comics. Okay. As you do. Some of those comics were Batman comics oh. or Batman adjacent comics, including, and this is, man, sometimes life is so weirdly fortuitous. Yeah. The first issue of the original Young Justice, which stars, well, well starred Tim Drake, uh, Connor Kent, yeah. a.k.a. Superboy. And impulse. Oh, so was Bart that Allen. where was that where it started? Kind of. Well, in terms of like latching on, or was it? Just I don't know about latching on. I think it was just such a gradual process of osmosis. But that right. was that comic is just so important. Was so important to like defining at that point in time my per- and I was like twelve years old. Yeah, at the time, the right? perfect age. Exactly. <laughs> it's when right. people latch on the thing, and it absolutely was like right. during that trip. I learned of like you know. Um, Kyle Rayner, you know, as Green Lantern. And so it's like, so therefore he's my Green Lantern for right. ever now. You know, like Connor Kent as Superboy, like, you know, Tim Drake as as Robin and you know, all these characters. Yeah. So like all of that, like left such an impression in my mind. And then you kind of kind of dig from there. Right. Uh, around the same time, Cassandra Cain was also a bad girl. Right. Okay. So I wouldn't come back to these characters until much, 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 much later when I would properly like in college get into like having them aid the money and the, for some reason the time to to read all these comics but at that point um even i remember there was a bad girl comic starring cassandra kane that came out it was a it was a mini uh series right it was bad oh and this bad. was like anyways i mean but it's I an th- important part of being a superhero comics fan a yep. comic based on the character you like coming out that's total garbage absolutely it makes you sad yeah uh, but there was all these like, you know, gradual steps of me, like having that foundation of curiosity and knowledge that there was a greater Batman family and that they also had adventures. Yeah. In the case of Young Justice, separate from, you know, Batman and Bruce Wayne and and gradually, you know, tracking that down. Like, I, I will say, like, I'm I, I never really read an issue of Birds of Prey with uh, Barbara Gordon as Oracle. Right. But I know of Oracle who doesn't know of Oracle and like Oracle is in so many other comics and you know, gets referenced that you, again, by process of osmosis, get to to learn about that. I guess um, it is just like when Batman generates so many different characters and those characters all sort of get matched in their own individual stories right. and those stories sort of match each other and it becomes this giant mixed up universe of different yeah. things, right? Um, like I, I will say I probably have read more comics, weirdly enough, since the New 52 with Barbara Gordon as Batgirl than yeah. I've read with... Barbara Gordon is Oracle, which is kind of just weird. I suppose so. I, I remember about. like the there was a Barbara Gordon Batgirl comic that was like very talked about back during like the 2010s. I think was it like with the comic oh, was alliance? It, was days. it Batgirl Year One or Year Zero or something? Like uh, that? I'm not sure. Year it's it's the one one. that had the really controversial arc with like the character dressed up as Batgirl that like made people argue about whether or not it was transphobic. I think it was like a whole thing. Oh, was this? This might have been the Frank Miller it, like Batman. No, it was stuff. another one. Well, it's uh, I vaguely remember which. I don't think about, I ever read yeah, it. It's no, it's funny because it's this era when people used to actually oh, write about wait, comics. No, 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 no. This was Batgirl of Burnside. 
I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is more recent than that. This is oh, Batgirl Burnside. I, d- I do have this comic. I did read okay. this comic. I know. I know what you're talking about because yeah, yeah. there was there was a kind of transcoded character who was. This is the um, that they sort of. I think they even redid yeah. for the books when those came out. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, okay, but yeah, uh, anyway. yeah, I do. I do remember that, and I did. I did read that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. But. Uh, but- Oh, sorry, you're going somewhere. Oh, no, just bringing it back to Wayne Family Adventures. You feel like there is something about it that's different. Well, so I'm kind of curious to ask you, though, as well. Like, what's your experience with the with the Bat Family? Oh, I mean, like you said, Batman the, Anima- Batman the Animated Series for me was foundational. But not even in a, oh, I've seen the whole thing, I remember all of it kind of way. I don't. I feel like if anything, I don't it's, think I've seen all of it either, to be honest. It's like the aesthetic of it. Yeah. is so strong and imprinted in my memory. Just the memory of it being something that was like a little too adult for mm-hmm. me to handle, even though it was made for kids. Just the horror of something like the mask of the phantasm, like the sort of really cool art direction and the, the feeling that what you're watching on screen was like a more mature sort of thing. Even though I think it was still targeted at kids compared to like something like the dark Knight returns. Right. Right. It right. is, it has that air of like, Oh, you're watching something that's like kind of highbrow in a way right and i guess since then i read stuff like uh dark knight returns i read some of the early grant morrison stuff right some stephen Englehart batman comics gotham central as well which i, mean, I don't know how i feel about it these days because i haven't gone back to it but that's definitely yeah. like an all-time oh they're doing really wild experimental things what a batman comic can be like that right. kind of book i mean i will say probably morrison's batman run is probably the first batman run that i really picked up yeah. as an adult and i've read uh, as well part of it i think up to batman r.i.p and for a little bit of batman and robin which people say is like their favorite part i think thing. it's the peak of that series yeah. yeah and i haven't read past that i've heard batman incorporated sort of falls off a little bit um reintroducing bruce wayne was i think a mistake yeah uh, it was certainly editorially mandated and it's certainly true. i think was inevitable but it the where i think the, the 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 there was so much that morrison had done that was so great in terms of basically killing off batman yeah and then proposing a a new formula which worked so well in terms of having a happy Batman and a you know depressed morose like grunting Robin that it just completely reshuffled that that formula and we just didn't get that formula for long enough. It, that's yeah. Like if I had a critique of modern comics is that they're they're too insecure to allow a new formula enough time to really exist before they have to hit the reset button they used to it felt like there was a time when you could have someone who could do 50 60 straight issues to tell right, like right. one character's story and flesh out like their particular interpretation of the world and it still does come up sometimes like immortal hulk was pretty lucky in that yeah, regard that's true oh that's a couple of years ago now like it's sort but of receding christ if grant morrison can't do that yeah but, but to be fair i think grant morrison doesn't necessarily care to do that himself so that's or themselves themselves yeah. sorry yeah it's okay my bad and I, this is like the the second time I've done that on this. It's podcast. okay. I'll that correct is, you every time. I'm so I don't know why Grant Morrison's like uh, it's such a bla- like um, I yeah. don't know blind All right. spot. So anyway, um, I mean it is kind of funny. Like again, the aesthetics of that '90s Batman were really powerful to me. But I mean, like you've said, there's something about the character too. I think as gruff as the Batman character is, mm-hmm. there is something to that character. Ass like not a loner but instead like a father figure who right. brings all these people together. 
because it feels like that more than anything has sort of become the defining version of the character for a lot of people right oh absolutely because the the batman character does still work as oh this is like the member of justice league international or the regular justice league who's like the guy kind of brooding in the shadows but will come out at like a clutch moment and save the day with the power of like planning right like that that part of him still works but there is also something to him in terms of like being the dad of this big group of kids who he's like worried oh what if they don't appreciate me but actually like they all love him and will do anything for him like he's sort of like given to these people what he lost when his parents died i guess you could say so i think there's two things that make you hit the nail on the head for what one of those is absolutely which is that i think the notion of family is so intrinsically woven into the dna of batman yeah and the loss of family but also the ways in which i think over the years he has attempted to reconstruct that family in yeah some maybe ways. without even being completely aware of it absolutely yeah. i mean batman certainly has one of the most compelling families in comics oh, for i sure. mean some of that is because batman is so popular so in, in <laughs> they have to keep making more of it apparently yeah. um but i think there's another element to this that i think wayne family adventures really hits the nail on the head with yeah. and that is there's this sort of uh, appreciation for a particular type of comic book story. The, mm. you know, uh, the kind of offbeat, like non, you know, adventure adventure, like without a, basically a, having a villain. It's like, you know, it's a, no villains. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, the, the, the old tale of like, Oh, it's the, uh, my favorite issue of the X-Men where they just play baseball kind of a thing, you know, or right. like, you know, where, where it brings it down to those sort of, familiar interactions or it's like hey look it's the teen titans but they're just eating pizza and hanging out and you know it's cool do we ever see i mean we see harley quinn in the last issue of the first season spoiler i guess but i don't think we really see many others right i think the joker comes back for a brief flashback but even harley quinn is kind of a like is harley quinn a villain sort of in the middle yeah yeah i they kind of keep them out it feels like, which is probably for the best because Batman villains can be pretty twisted. I right. feel like if you tried to bring them in, it would finding a way to fit them in the reality of this world could be kind of complicated because they, yeah. they still want to keep like, oh, these characters are dealing with trauma that still resurfaces on occasion. Well, so they're, they're, they probably will eventually. Yeah. And it'll probably be very close to. Well, like stuff that you see on the Harlequin TV show oh, yeah. or My Adventures of Superman, where it is more like you can have some of the like adventure and fighting villains, but it's so character centric to begin with. Yeah, that that stuff is always going to be secondary. And I, I think we exist in a very different place, I think, for having those shows now. Um, but also, I mean, man, the, the straight up like hero fatigue is real, though. Hero At fatigue least, in what way? Well, in the in the way of like, I am so tired of superhero comics, superhero movies, shows, mm. whatever. Always the 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 big stakes always being saving the world, and I feel right. like we always up the ante one more, one more, one more, and it's like how you can't you can only go so far right, to the point where it's a multiverse, and now right. there's like you don't just um, get Batman, but you get Batman ten different ba- yeah, women, ten different and, Batman, yeah. then and ten different Robins, actually ten freaking, different Batgirls. Oh, anyways, um. To the point where they have to come up with a dark universe too. Anyway, uh, we digress. But <laughs> our dark multiverse. Welcome um, to the dark to devil devil BB. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. um, but I guess what I'm trying to say is 
in the way, so because you, you spoke about that as well, like it's rare to have 60 issue runs and to have those kind of extended runs. Right. When you did have those extended runs, a lot of times what was the norm is to have like some off issues where you maybe bring in a guest artist and you kind of do like a, you know, more standalone issue um, where you can go more, you know, casual. Yeah. You can have like a weird little one-off story. Yeah. And, and the, the story might not have a big villain. It might be more personal focused, focused or whatever. Um, and as comics have gone further and further and further away from that and where everything is like, arc so arc centric where it's built for trade right like it's uh four or five issues that tell a complete story yeah we've lost the space for those type of one-off stories so those stories instead get told in fan fiction and apparently now webtoon yeah um i haven't had a chance to read other dc webtoons but i think like again the approach that wayne family adventures takes does seem to resonate with a lot of people where all of it's Chapters are kind of like these little 500-word AO3 vignettes, drabbles, I guess the word is, that are just like, what if we told a story about Bat-Cow? Let's do that. Actually, on that note, I was wondering, Alex, like, if we're going to talk about some of the little bits and pieces from this series, were there any particular stories that stood out to you? It's like examples of Wayne Family Adventures really leveraging its format? Man, it is a very particular kind of story. Yeah. Like every single time it's a little too short to be like a sustained plot on its own. It's more of like a little premise for a story. Occasionally you you do get those. And especially I think as you get later into the season, there are a couple often it'll have a two parter, right? Or like a three parter in some cases, which I thought was, was interesting. Um, I did like the prank war one. Okay. I thought that was pretty funny Um, with Damien and I think Tim Drake. If I remember yeah. correctly. I think that uh, happens, yeah. Like, that was pretty, like, the, the, the glitter was pretty hilarious in that as well. Um, but especially because I think it, it the stories also work really well where Bruce Wayne gets to be the uh, the straight man. Yeah. To some extent, kind of being like, what is happening? <laughs> uh, like, <laughs> what like... have I done? <laughs> like, I think that, that those work really, really well. Mm. Uh, but I also really like, like, the, the I mentioned that the Duke Thomas one where he's having, like, like you know, he, he gets a girlfriend and oh. relationship woes. And, and then know, she breaks up with him one right. chapter later. <laughs> uh, and then has to deal kind of with that. And I thought yeah. that was also, like, you know, it's it's nice to see that side of the characters, you know. And actual character growth to some extent without having to always get reset to zero. Yeah. Do you feel like there was a sense of these stories carrying over and kind of informing later ones? I think so, but it's more gradual Mm, for this type of format. Um, And I think we we probably will see more of that in season two. Because there were some times when I was kind of surprised. So there's, uh, I'm surprised we didn't even mention one of my favorite characters, Damian Wayne, who's angry little kid Batman. I'm, I, I, we mentioned him a little bit, oh, we but did? not that much. Because he shows up in um, Grant Morrison's comic. He's introduced there. But he plays yep. a pretty big role here. Like He sort of appear, shows up at the very beginning. He makes yep. friends with uh, the Signal, right? Yep. And there's an arc later where he's having trouble making friends because he's like the child of an assassin and he right, likes to cause right. problems. And he ends up joining like a sort of like a game club or like a chess club or something, right? Or, an, or No, it's art. That's it. It's like an art club, right. I think. Yes, yes, yes. And I was thinking, oh, this is great. We're going to see a bunch of like, later comics of him hanging out with people in the art club, but you never really see that. There's like one moment later where he's drawing, he's working on his art project in the study or something, but it feels like it never really comes up again. I was wondering like, 
it's kind of funny that they're not showing us more of it. I would have liked I, to know. see that stuff build in the background. I, I mean, I don't think that this format is particularly interested in too many long running things, but yeah. I would be curious how that evolves beyond the first season. I suppose so. Like I will say if we're talking about, so my favorite one in these vignettes personally is the one with the ties. Do you remember that one? Vaguely. So it's the one where I think it's that Damien's trying to tie his tie. Or oh yeah, no function. one knows how to tie a freaking tie. Yeah. Like and then they ask Superman Batman and he tries. doesn't know. <laughs> yeah. And then uh Alfred isn't there and Batman says, Well, I don't want to bother Alfred, so I'll go ask Superman. But then Superman says, I'm sorry, I don't know how to tie either. So there's just this scene where it's everyone in the Justice League standing around. They're all freaking useless. Saying, uh, okay. Uh, but it's not even that they don't know how to tie a tie. It's that they're all trying to explain it in a different way. Right. So it's like the Green Lantern character, like, creating an energy tie and trying to tie the energy <laughs> tie. And eventually Wonder Woman shows up. And it's not even that Wonder Woman's like, oh, I will show you how to tie a tie because I'm a woman and I can do these things. She says, like, why are you wearing a tie to begin yeah. with? Why do you have You're to wear rich. a tie? You don't you have don't to wear have anything. To <laughs> That's very that was good. that that was I thank you yeah. for reminding me. That might about actually that one. so I, I do think great. that's my favorite one in the whole series. Honestly, even more of a cookie one because to me it's just this perfect expression of the kinds of stories well, that Wayne Family Adventures can tell that you can't really tell in another format. Just it, a weird little one off joke. And that's right? another thing. They don't all have to be great. Yeah, because they're know? so short. Yeah. They sort of get in and out every time. Yeah. And, and and I think that gets to kind of the original format of comics as well. Yeah, the comic where, strip. Yeah, where well, not even the comic strip. I mean, to be fair, you're you're correct on that as mm -hmm. well. But but even the way that comics were more like issue focused right. in the past, it's like they didn't all have to be amazing. You could have bad issues as long as every third issue, every other issue was good. Was good. Yeah. You know, people would remember the good issues over the bad because the bad would just kind of come and go. It's true. So, and that is like the serialized format, right? Yeah. Like these days, and this doesn't just apply to comics, but also to television and that kind of thing. Right. When everything's released, this one big chunk, you have to keep the whole thing in your head at once. But when things dribble out over every week, yep. that can go bad. If you get a lot of bad episodes in a row, it can kind of sour you on things, but it can also work the other way where a really good episode comes out and you suddenly go, Oh wow, this show's great again. Right. Right. That is something I miss. Um, and it also really, like it kind of diminishes the pressure to make everything a gem. Mm. Because if you're just allowed to keep throwing things out a wall, you know, eventually you're going to get it. And, yeah. and and eventually I think that's why I'm kind of curious to see where season two lands. Because, you know, as you get more steam, as you get more comfort in working within this environment, I mean, I would, I would suppose that there's more ambition to do more with it. Um, so we might see more long running stories. Yeah, I perhaps. Um, so I'd be curious to see. Where, yeah. where Another one I like quite a bit. There's a chapter later on, which is Alfred meeting up of Superman's family, the Kents. Oh yeah. yeah. I, Cause I was surprised. I feel like I'm, has that really never happened in the comics? Cause it feels like such a obvious <sighs> idea, like get Bruce Wayne's yeah. foster dad and have him meet with Superman's foster dad. I honestly couldn't tell you if it did, but it yeah. feels, you, you're right. It feels like such a no brainer. It's like, why hasn't anyone done that? So if that's the first time it has happened, yeah. then I mean, and I don't even know if there's anything to it. It's more of like, a, oh, this is a good premise for a longer story. But that they thought to do it. It's like, right. oh, they clearly like. And have now their... it cannot happen because they killed Alfred off in the comics. What? This is like ancient news at this nobody, point. Well. I, this nobody. This happened during the this. Tom King run. Oh, it did. Tom King That's killed thing, I Alfred. I didn't read Tom. That does sound like something that Tom King. I think it was editorially mandated, but still. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was it was not a and, and the worst part is that they they kind of made it into something that Damian Wayne is guilty about, oh. feels guilty about, which is like even oh, worse. That's too bad. 
Um, well, I bet they'll bring Alfred back someday in the future. It's like a vengeful yeah. ghost, and then he'll be like brainwashed child Alfred. Well, so Chip Zdarsky teased everyone because he took Batman to a different universe, and then was like, "Hey, look, it's Alfred. Could could oh, this yeah. Alfred come back to our universe oh, and be see, Alfred now?" It's like, no, that didn't happen. Or maybe like uh, the ghost of Alfred and Bruce Wayne swaps bodies, and so Alfred yeah. is Batman for a while. There's all kinds of ridiculous things you can do. I mean, I kind of understand why they 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 wanted to kill Alfred as a you know, a way to move that character beyond that. But also, my goodness, like how many parental figures can Bruce Wayne lose? I can't believe they killed Alfred. Uh, What's going to happen next? What are they going to do? Kill off? Like, I mean, probably everyone in Batman has been killed off at least once. Right? They actually joke about that in one of the, uh, um, Wayne family the episodes, don't they? Or Maybe am I, they do. am I making you might something be right. else up? It's possible. Um, cause I feel like there was a thing where it's like, they're all like, Oh yeah, I've died. And I've died. And Duke <laughs> Thomas is like, Oh my God! What have, what have I signed up for? It's true. I have yeah. vaguely remembered this. I'm Damian like, Wayne died, uh, right? Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jason Todd has died. Jason Todd has died. Um, I mean, Stephanie died. Brown has died. Cass Kane has died. Yeah. Yeah. Dying for Robins is like a complex. It is. Yeah. It's a, a rite of passage, virtually. It's true. Even um, Batman's dying. I don't know if Tim Drake has died, but I feel like if he hasn't, it's only a matter of time. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. But yeah, basically. How about to jump to something a bit different? What do you think of the art in Wayne Family Adventures? Um, so, okay, is this a good pivot to talk a little bit about the creative team? Because we could. I have some that. notes on that. So, I was very curious what the creatives on this team have done outside of Wayne Family Adventures. Yeah. So, I've done a little bit of snooping, and CRC Payne, the writer of this webtoon, pretty sure has not done anything else of note. Really? Not even other webtoons or superhero comics? Not that I could find. Okay. If so, it was not done under this name. It's possible that they've done it under a different name. Really? Now, if so, I do not know. I will say that in my research for a second, I was like, is this person even real? (laughs) Like, I could not find any. I found one interview where they're, where where, rather she is interviewed, um, like, you know, on camera. So yeah. you could see what she looks like. And she looks a lot like the uh, image at the end of those, uh, vo- like print volumes. Yeah. So, okay. CRC paint exists, but I did find it interesting that they found someone for this. Mm. That does not appear to be an established writer because the Avenue into writing. Well, there's two things here. The Avenue into writing comics for DC is you have to be an established creator somewhere. Yeah. Right, for the most part. Uh, either have written other comics or somewhere. Novels. You have like or novels or you are a screenwriter. That's how NK Jemison or got something. In. Right. Yeah. Um, like normally there has to be a track record. No, like DC Comics isn't just gonna come to you and be like, hey, you person off the street, do you uh, do you wanna do you like writing yeah. comics? It doesn't matter how qualified you are to write right. for comics, just that you've written something else that's Correct. popular. Like I mean, and this is most publishers. Most publishers will look for some track record of work. Yeah. Now I don't doubt that CRC Paint probably has that somewhere. It just might be under a different name. That That is a possibility, and I yeah. just do not know enough to know that. But what I did gather through my research is that she's employed by Webtoon specifically. Really? And I think a lot of the staff on these books are employed by Webtoon specifically. Rather than DC. Rather than DC. And another thing that I thought was interesting in looking at this is that is the way that they structured the ar- artistic team on mm. this is even though Starbite is the second credited name on the print issues, and I think probably the second credited name on, on the Webtoon itself, they do 
the inks, technically speaking, and the storyboards, which is another weird thing. They're referred to as storyboards, yeah. not pencils. Mm. The storyboards are initially done by, by Maria Lee and then like a recurring cast of other people. Yeah. And when I looked up actually another uh, webtoon, um, it was actually very interesting that the list of credits on webtoon are actually more limited and they really? don't necessarily reveal as many of the cast of people who work on these things. That's interesting. Uh, as I what I saw in the print version. And I see this because I looked up Maria Lee. Because Maria Lee, if you look at the print editions as well, she's the person who did all of the character designs. Right. So in that sense, I would say that Maria Lee is in some ways... They have her layouts in here too. Right. Is is very important in terms of defining the artistic sensibility of this um, at a ground level. And it's also very clear that she was on this book to begin with and then got shifted over to Zatanna and the Ripper, which is another Webtoon collaboration between Webtoon and DC, yeah. um, where she's credited as the art director, which I thought was another interesting mm. choice. That seems like something you wouldn't see in a traditional comic art director. Right, right? because that's, yeah. that's an animation thing. So right. it's actually kind of fascinating how Webtoon is the language is closer to an animated show than it is to a comic in a traditional sense. I mean, it's the cliche that I, I've seen people say on Webtoons, which is yeah. at their worst, it's just a bunch of storyboards for a television right. show rather than a proper car- rather than a proper comic, which I think Webtoons are definitely capable of more than that. And also, I think there are things you can do with like storyboards that are maybe interesting yeah, to yeah. read. But, you know, it's interesting. But it's also, I mean, because if you look at that second volume, you'll also note how many names are credited. Yeah, there are six different people credited for storyboards here. Yeah, and it feels like, to the point where it feels like just a, like, rotating cast, uh, where are are we even actually seeing a coherent artistic vision on these anymore after a point? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, this Um, is what people say about Webtoons, which is that they have a a lot of people working on them at any given time. It's a big production. So again, I um I think it's interesting. I think there's also a lot of obfuscation mm. in terms of I think Webtoon has teams of people who work on some of these projects. Yeah. Um and that is probably more because again, like I was very surprised. Like you actually even look up um the credits for uh Batman um you know Wayne Family Adventures and the credits on the website say art by Starbite. Yeah. Written by CRC Payne, assisted by Kilamel Sabal, yeah. uh, assisted by Lan Ma, assisted by CM Cameron, and assisted by Camille Cruz. You look at the credits on the print edition. And there are many these, more people in there. And they're much more specific in terms of the credits. Yeah. Right? I think so, if you even go to, um, I think maybe even the end of the comic and you scroll down, you right. can see like a more extensive credits list of the different artists who worked on it. But I'm not sure if you see everybody. Uh, Either way, it is yeah. interesting that many more people did seemingly work on this comic than just the ones up on front. And I mean, you see something similar of manga too, that often manga artists have assistants that do a lot of the work. And sometimes those assistants are credited and other times they are not. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think some of this, I think comes down to webtoon. Okay. I see what you're saying. Cause it's like the actual credits at the end of each episode, yeah. which probably do get a little bit. Yeah. They get a little bit like they actually credit the there storyboards. There are a couple more folks, and, yeah. maybe for like that particular chapter. Yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah. So, so yeah, I, so I will say, okay, the credits, I will do to Webtoon's credit. Huh, uh, at the end of each episode, the credits are actually more specific in the way that actually feels right. appropriate. But um, but how many, I mean, I guess people would look at each episode potentially, but 
Yeah, uh, it is interesting that they don't credit as many people at the at the head of each. It's true. Um, of each like webtoon like title page, and it has me wondering. Um, I mean, probably it's also a matter of on webtoon there's such a big divergence between the really big popular ones up on the headline and the yeah. smaller scale canvas ones that are probably more independent productions. So I guess it doesn't really surprise me. Yeah. Well, I was also I was surprised that when I looked up so because um you know Maria Lee does on her own webpage. Yeah. Uh, you know points to her work on Zatanna and the Ripper as being an art director. You know probably um, like the top thing on there, right? Because yeah. like that's probably the most current, most relevant, most important kind of high profile. You know absolutely. She's but she's not credited as the art director on like the head. Like I'm sure that for each individual episode you'll see that. But it also feels like being the art director on the project is different than being the storyboarder, I which is what so. she did for um, uh, Wayne Family Adventures. Yeah. So, I don't know. So, I guess, what do you think more generally about the art in the comic? Um, so, yeah. So, I, let's talk about that. Um, I think it's, it's functionally good, but yeah. it is not great. Part of why I say that, though, and I think this is very important to distinguish, the art is very much designed for the webtoon format which right. is a mobile maybe occasionally like pc focused like computer like yeah i think uh, it works tablet, best whatever. when you're scrolling on your phone right. it's mostly functional if you're scrolling on a computer screen right um unfortunately reading it in print and this is something else that's worth noting there is a whole list of credits in each of the print volumes right. for a pre-press art uh, set of folk. Yeah. And these are the people who basically made the adaptation and did all of the extra art and maybe in some cases even maybe modified some of Which the Which I'm sure was a fit. huge amount of work as well. The one thing, though, that was a big bummer, though, as I read through this in print, is that in some cases there were panels that were clearly blown up beyond what the initial art should have allowed for and yeah. it just looked blurry. And it was immersion. So immersion it was clearly like a compromise. Like, oh, this yeah. wasn't what the people yeah. who made it originally intended. This um, was adapted to where you can kind of see the seams. Right. Then. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and that was not ideal. So I think in terms of the print adaptation, I think, the again, the art is functionally all right. Um, everyone looks like who they should look like, um, you know, and they, they even like, you know, they don't uh, whiten Damien too much either, which is yeah. Um because that's actually something you could look to the comics and critique, rightfully so. Uh, the the mainstream comics, or the whatever mainline DC comics. I think the fact they put a lot of so, thought into how each character dresses as well to differentiate yeah, them is yeah, also yeah. like a very particular thing about this book that I think you maybe see more in superhero comics that come out these days. But it is like a very definite choice that reflects a certain way of thinking about right, those characters. Right. Yeah. Um, but I can't. The one thing that and the reason I'm kind of like jumping around the issue, I did not read this. <laughs> On actually Webtoon. I read the print editions. Oh, I see. So I don't know how well it comes across. You didn't even jump back and forth between them. You just read the whole things in the books. I did read. I I went back just out of curiosity to check out like one or two episodes. But my experience was primarily rooted in the print editions. Right. I am just such a print edition scrub, Adam. I mean, I, I get it. So. But you're also such a wanting to experience the original in its proper format some person. of the time but right. but my desire to kill trees overrides all <laughs> you have to oh understand <laughs> i mean some so alex something i was talking to you about ahead of time is that looking at the way that these books are handled something that really kills me is a sudden transition yeah, between yeah, chapters yeah. 
I feel like when you see manga, a lot of the time, they will ease the transition between chapters by having like a single page with a sketch on it or something to block them out. So you're able to I mean, shoot, read it I, in like a more, in a smoother way. I right? feel like manga sometimes will have like, to the point where they'll have two headers. Yeah. Like they'll have, you know, end of chapter, you know, and then like new chapter, whatever, name, chapter name, and then turn two then more pages, for the two chapter. more pages. And then you have like the big chapter title it's drop. It's true. You yeah. Know? But for Wayne Family Adventures, it, it will just jump immediately to yeah. a new story. And it'll have a little title saying a new chapter or something. But it'll be in a place where, to me, sometimes it's tough to even see it. Because yeah. maybe you'll be reading and your eyes will jump to a page where you just don't see the chapter name, right? And so then you just, it's like you miss a step. You're like, huh? I'm in this story now? What's going on, right? right. And to be fair, that is not a problem that the webtoon has. Because with the webtoon, no. you will scroll down to the bottom and then it'll say, like, click here to go to the next story. And, like, to be honest, I did find the way these stories would end pretty abrupt a lot of the time. Like, it would just stop and not really have a proper joke or whatever and just go on to the next one. And that was kind of dispiriting for me sometimes. But it does feel more natural. Like, each of these little adventures is segmented out in a way where you can sort of follow and then move on to the next one. And I don't think that's necessarily true of the print edition. Yeah. Yeah. Also, like, you know, the, the webtoon does sort of follow the sort of traditional format where you have a bunch of dissociated panels floating in ether plus some long transitions that sort of blur in and out, I suppose. It's not necessarily as innovative as something like your letter, which just has these big, elaborate, flowy strips or pages, or even something like Lavender Jack, which I think uses the scroll format really well. It's pretty functional, not very complicated, but it's not bad, and the characters like are drawn in an appealing way, I guess. Yeah, I mean, like I, I will say I... I wish that i think you know similarly even though i didn't read it on webtoon that they would have done more with the format yeah but i do wonder if there was some understanding or mandate from the beginning that this would always end up being also a print edition yeah i mean there's Uh, another thing i appreciate as alex is scrolling through this comic on his own terms each character has a little word bubble that sort of introduces who they are and has like a little one sentence pitch yeah, yeah. to describe them. They don't spend a lot of time saying, this is who this character is, right? You kind of just have to figure it out in context. And to me, as someone who doesn't have as much grounding in a lot of the smaller scale back characters, there were a lot of characters I didn't know where sometimes I'd have a little bit of trouble differentiating them. But I, I think it is nice that they trust the reader to sort of figure out what you're supposed to think of these characters just by how they act rather than spending a lot of time filling you in. And when they have their own standalone storylines, I feel like a lot of the time it does tie in somehow to like what their deal is. Um, like who their parents are, what kind of villain they're trying to come out of the shadow of, any kind of trauma they have, that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I think if there is a credit to be given here, that is really probably the best thing that this creative team is able to come up with or, or do is that everyone does feel distinct. Yeah. Because my goodness, this is an extended family. It's big. There are a lot of characters in this yeah. comic. And honestly, that's also a credit to how deep the lore is that they're working with because I mean, maybe with the exception of Duke Thomas, who was introduced during the um, Scott Snyder. Oh, okay. Uh, so he's not original to this series. He's a yeah, character yeah. from Snyder's run. Oh, so yeah, Duke Thomas got introduced first as a child, mm. then later as an adult. Mm. Um, 
I think he doesn't don a superhero mantle until We Are Robin, where oh. he kind of self dubs as a Robin, but then it's during a later Scott Snyder thing that he um he becomes the signal. And he's probably one of the most underutilized characters of the bunch. Yeah. Like Duke Thomas just, they, they tried to do a thing with him or several things with him <clears throat> as a member of the Outsiders, but he still f- honestly feels like the least fleshed out. Yeah. Which is also why I he's mean, it makes the, sense that you know, they brought him on board here to yeah. sort of give him more to do. I am exactly. also kind of surprised they didn't do more of him because he's almost introduced as the viewpoint character, the lead character in a way. And he does have a couple of stories to himself, like you mentioned, kind of the romance arc where he has a crush right. on someone, he goes out, and then he split up. But I feel like he doesn't get a lot to do after that. I wonder how much they have planned for later. If he'll, yeah, who knows? I mean, I think that's a general criticism and a valid one of Duke Thomas in general in the in the Batman lore, which is that nobody knows what to do with him. Wait, you mean he's a he's a black character that's being poorly treated by the creative staff? Uh, that was basically wow when does that ever happen in superhero comics and then it's like oh great we have him but we don't know what to do with him now oh boy yeah that's tough hello suddenly we have a cat Uh that has welcome attacking i think i think someone wants to be in my lap um but anyways adam did you have anything else uh, yeah there's one more big thing i want to say about wayne family adventures which might be a little controversial Ooh, i don't know if i like wayne family adventures very much and I think it's a me problem because so many other people love this comic. It's not me or it's not you. It's me. Yeah. Like I, I've seen people on forums say, oh man, Wayne family adventures is the best. Like this is the best Batman's ever been. And I, I get it. I definitely get what this comic is doing in principle. Like I think the idea of a bunch of little slice of life stories about extended universe Batman characters is excellent. And the fact that I don't know if DC knows, but that webtoon knows its audience and sort of what they like and is able to sort of work in these characters in a way that not just fans of webtoons, but also like DC comics readers really connect what they're doing. I think that's great. That's able to bridge that gap and kind of realize, you know, that to some degree, probably the readers in both of these circles just really like stories about appealing characters, which is what Wayne Family Adventures delivers. I think it's great that they were able to cross those two fandoms in that way however i think the individual stories in this series are a little too thin for me it feels like every time there's one of these adventures i'm sort of excited to see how it escalates and builds but it all it always cuts off before it really starts building up and part of that structure i think because it only has like a limited amount of space of each episode but i think i would have liked to see more extensive stories, even though those stories were jokes. I don't know. Like, am I barking up the wrong tree here? This might also like tie mm. into, because it's funny. I feel like we had differing responses in terms of my adventures of Superman as right. well. When we talked about that. Similar. I, think I don't it's know if there's like issue. something there to me that was like setting me off in terms of the style, but there is something I landed on when I was thinking about it, where I was trying to square my own reaction um, I was thinking of what other comics in this vein do I really like? And I landed on Giant Days. Have you read that one? Oh, I love Giant oh, Days. Oh, yeah. Giant and, Days, and written by John Allison, ups. drawn yeah, yeah, by Max yeah. Sarin, and several other very talented yep, people. Yep. Excellent comic. You know, they did a great uh, 
they did a great British Bake Off. Yeah, like uh, I haven't read any of the extended off. Universe Giant Days yeah. stuff outside of early Scary Ground and Bad Machinery. Yeah, but you know, I I really like John Allison stuff. He can be very uneven, but at his best and like when he's working with talented artists, he is very very funny. <laughs> Maybe one of the funniest comics writers there is. Uh, that is a good. That is a fantastic example yeah. though of a likewise I think very grounded, very personal, character right. driven work that can be funny. The only exception is it's not set with a big IP. Yeah. So I was tr- I was trying to figure out why is it that I love Giant Days? Like, why is it that Giant right. Days is one of my favorite comics of all time? And yet, like, while I appreciate what, what Wayne Family Adventures is doing, it doesn't vibe with me as much. And I think I know what it is, which is that Giant Days is a soap opera. Mm, yeah. Is that it has these individual issues that have funny jokes, but it'll always take time to weave in something like, oh, this character's going through a breakup. This character's dad is on death's door. This character is like breaking up with someone, or I, I guess I already said I used I said break up twice. But there's this feeling that there's always something bubbling out of the, under the surface, and every episode or every issue ends with sort of a sudden twist or a changing of the status quo. It doesn't have to last very long, but it always gives a feeling that the story is progressing, whether or not it actually is. And also right. thinking about it, I feel like. The characters in Giant Days are allowed to be a little meaner than the ones in Wayne Family Adventures. Like you, yeah, you come to really sure. like yeah. the cast, but they don't always make choices that are good choices. Oh. <laughs> and by comparison, <laughs> they can be flawed characters. Yeah, I, I feel like sense, in Wayne yeah. Family Adventures, what happens a lot more often is that wall characters make mistakes. Like for instance, there's the arc where Bruce Wayne gets so distracted by his work he can't be there for cassandra kane when she's doing ballet right and she has to he has to come and apologize to her later and he later like buys out the whole house himself so he can watch her dance and that to me is like a standout story of the comic it's like an instance where batman fails or he has to come around and do something for his kid right? right but it still felt to me like it didn't go far enough like there was something there for the character to sort of confront the fact right. that he'd made this mistake and he had to rebalance things. There was never this moment of friction where he like sort of has to grow like a Batman character. It just felt like he's given the line by his kids and he says the line to Cassandra Kane and then she forgives him. Like right. uh, they sort of have this approved kind of therapy speak that they try bring out in every one of these more complicated storylines in Wayne family adventures. It seems to work every time. And maybe I would have just liked an instance where it didn't work as well or when the characters weren't entirely happy with it. Right. And I think that also would have been going against what this story is, which is why it's complicated. It's trying to be like good vibes. Let's fight for the cookies. Right. But that's so again, I think this comes back to if I were to, you know, because again, if there was more, creative intent behind Mm. this story and i think that was kind of my okay so fundamentally let me back up fundamentally i like what wayne family adventures does i think it's a great like juxtaposition to the main line batman stuff because you get something in here that you don't get there yeah exactly um so i think in that sense it's a great companion piece and it it gives the audience something that I think is meaningful and I enjoy it for that. Yeah. And it does it while keeping the parts of the characters that people who just read the comics like to begin with. Right. Yeah. However, if I were to point out like if, you know, and this is why I looked into like, what else has this creative team done and Mm. come up with nothing because I was curious as like, and this is something that we talk about on this podcast a lot is 
we try to dig into these things yeah. like, to figure out what is the creative narrative like is there a, a through line of intent of you know narrative preferences of of themes of of something yeah and you can't find that with Wayne family adventures it's all very shallow and i think it is thus by design and i do I do, do not know how much the creative team is allowed to dig deeper than what they're doing which is one question and yeah. b i don't know i mean I, we have nothing to go on to even know where they might go mm. unless until they do rather, or if they're even capable of doing so. And I, I don't, I don't know that. Yeah. I mean, they put, you know, they'll, you know. they'll draw on other characters in the universe. They'll put back cow in there. They'll yeah. have like a reference to an older superhero comic called a riff on something that happened before. So they are willing to go back like into the well and pull out an older, but an then idea from an older story. They don't, to your point, they don't yeah. necessarily do anything with that more than something that's very shallow. Right. For the most part. And it's, it's entertaining and, and fun for what yeah. it is, but it doesn't, go to that next level right. of complexity and they don't necessarily have to like i think this series regardless of whether or not i love it i think it's a really smart idea it's just to me the reason that i love giant days is that despite the fact it's very funny and usually right. light and that you could put any like two characters or three characters in that comic in a room together and just laugh at whatever their ridiculous reactions right. are right you still have like this little bit of pathos there to add spice to the whole thing. You know, the funny thing is, cause you mentioned giant days, you know what, what else is very much in that same, I think sort of vein. Yeah. Which I don't know if you necessarily like as, as much or at all. Oh, go ahead. Is lower decks. Yeah. You know, I think that's also it. It's that in lower decks, it has the goofy storylines, but it has character growth too, right? Yeah. Well, absolutely. Where the characters yeah. at the very start are noticeably different. Than the, how they are later. My God, on. Adam! If you make it to the fourth season, yeah. oh, and in Giant Days, man. that's also why I like it. It's that you read an issue of Giant Days, and it might not necessarily seem like yep. the characters have changed, but if you look at the characters at the start and the characters at the end, they are noticeably different people. But that's the problem, exactly. And in Wayne Family Adventures, they have these ups and None downs. None of these characters are allowed to but grow. They don't that's change. the problem. Yeah, I Ever, think that because, could be it. Because Batman is Batman. Robin is Robin or yeah. whichever freaking Robin. I mean, I guess they've all grown maybe beyond their initial mantles to some extent. But even in that, like, I feel like once they find their, that whatever that sweet spot is, characters are only allowed to oscillate between certain modes. So you look at Barbara Gordon, Barbara Gordon is only ever allowed to either be Oracle or bad girl. Yeah. And, and that's it. And she can switch between them. Right. Or be different gradations. But and maybe she'll she become like be. a third right. thing. But her character cannot be linear because right. these characters cannot grow old. You have I mean, to tell the same like, stories. It's kind of like how Flash. It's like, all right, well, for a while we had, you know, um, uh, uh, Wally West as right. Flash. And, and then they sort of mine the legacy material yeah. in a great way. Right. But then they, they went back to Barry Allen. Oh, and boy. now we're back to yeah. Wally West. And again, it's, it's it, you know, it's just a loop of, of like true. something just shifting things around so they feel new, but ultimately we're not really allowed to let anything grow. I mean, superhero comics in a nutshell, right? Yeah. You can have people with the best intentions who push things as far as they can, right. but sooner or later you hit the wall. It's like right. if you change I things mean, meaningfully in this one story, you change all the other stories, and that's what you're not allowed to do. What's wild to me is that you compared Giant Days to a soap opera, and soap operas are sort of notorious for stories that go on yeah. forever. No, but you're even right. in that context, I think there's more growth sometimes than what we see in superhero comics, which is really... Oh, that's harsh. <laughs> that's rough. I mean, but but it, it's not necessarily wrong. And yeah. that's, maybe it, it just 
that's how frustrated and I to am. To be with fair, that. I think superhero Stasis. comics at their best are like soap operas sometimes, right? Like no, what you said, what people loved I about mean, Teen Titans back in the day is that you had this feeling that something was always happening and the characters were always doing right. things, even if they like never went beyond what the like the circle the characters were in. There was a sense that you were watching them change. It was yeah. like an illusion, I guess. Yeah. That, that's not nothing. That's a tough thing to do. Like yeah. that Teen Titans is a big deal back in the day. Um, you did remind me because you mentioned Teen Titans of something else that we should have talked about, which we yeah. didn't, which is Nightwing, specifically yes. Tom Taylor's Nightwing, which you love, right? I absolutely adored that book yeah. because it allows itself to lean more into those personal moments. Mm. So Nightwing can have a dog and can have like sweet moments with Barbara Gordon yeah, and has a personal life. And like those there's, there's a very healthy balance between the super heroics, which also don't necessarily have to be world shattering all of the time. Although there is like, you know, kind of an ongoing sort of plot and villain and, and that's another thing. It's like it's been one villain pretty much the whole time. And mm. I always love it when superhero comics really like have these long running arcs that just kind of have that slow burn. Yeah. And there's like things keep happening. You're kind of waiting of for things to explode. Right. While right. like the other kind of lower scale stories are playing. Especially out. because like in between you can have, again, more of those personal storylines and quieter moments and you can do more within that. And I think Nightwing has done a really great job of that and mm. specifically tom taylor has done a really great job of allowing that space in the comic as the writer of it um and that's another thing it's like when you know i think that run kind of coincides with wayne family adventures in a lot of ways um, and that's something that you didn't have necessarily at the start the outset of this webtoon but we do have now yeah which is nice and we also have bad girls which is i, I mentioned that as well which was another series that allowed for some of those moments to develop between the characters. So I think there is more of a response to that in DC comics now. And yeah. I'm kind of curious to see, you know, um, Kelly Thompson uh, is writing um, birds of prey now, which, Oh my goodness. Like what a, what a great fit. Yeah. Um, and I cannot wait to see where that goes. Not the least of which, because Harley Quinn and, uh, <laughs> Black Canary on the same team is just, I cannot wait to see what happens yeah. there. That's just like, I mean, in a sense, um, I haven't read a lot of the DC young adult comics, uh, I, but I've, I've seen read some, those be fairly popular, like uh, beast boy, Raven. Um, I think Jillian Tomaki did one as well. Yeah. I think it's cool that they are working directly with these like artists from the Marco indie scene. Even Tamaki, not Jillian. Tamaki. Crap. You're right. Marco Tamaki. Yeah. 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 Um, but those books seem like they've been fairly well received and honestly seem like they're kind of working out better than what Marvel's trying in a similar vein. It just feels like DC more has its fingers on what its younger readers want in that way. DC or at least is just, these particular producers do. I feel like DC is just doing a lot of stuff and right. just seeing what sticks. And surprisingly, a lot of it is sticking, including yep. these webtoons and like they're, they're like they have like two lines right. of like one is like more, you know, uh, like the. Uh, middle grade and one is more young adult yeah for uh like those graphic novels and I mean, it's, it's great like it's maybe too much yeah but but it seems to be working so right. i mean i just thought i bring it up because i feel like that is almost like closer in spirit to yeah. what wayne family adventures is doing yes even like is, a lot of is, the mainstream serial yeah. comics and it's honestly more intended for the audience yeah yeah 
No, I'm, I'm happy to see it, particularly because, meanwhile, Marvel seems to be stuck in whatever weird 90s nostalgia oh, that they're boy. in, which is just weird. Well, it's like video games. You have one company that holds the ball, um, and then in a couple of years, they pass it to the other one, and in a couple of years, they pass it back. I mean, you're, you're also seeing it because a lot of the talent. Like, there was a time oh, when Tom right. Taylor was writing for Marvel and yeah. DC, and now he's writing for DC. Right. Kelly Thompson has done a lot of fantastic runs at Marvel and now is suddenly a DC comics, which it's true. Whenever the creators migrate like that, it's telling you something. Thompson did Hawkeye back in the day, right? They did like um, a short Hawkeye run that people like to hold. Yeah. Up. Well, yeah. and the uh, West coast Avengers. Oh, right, um, right. Cause yeah, cause it was, uh, it was the K Bishop Hawkeye. Yeah. Um, and also like did a really good run on Captain Marvel. Like, She's been around. She's done. I've really enjoyed her work. Well, that's cool. Um, yeah, I feel like Kelly Thompson's a writer that a lot of superhero readers talk up as being yeah. very talented. I yeah. think Kelly Thompson and Tom Taylor are currently two of my like bigger faves in terms of like oh, that's superheroes. Cool. Um, as far as writing is concerned, as far as art, Dan Mora is a beast. Really, like probably in my opinion, like one of the best like you know traditional superhero comics like right. artists right now. Uh, that's cool. It's really good. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. We digress. Um, yeah. Final word on Wayne Family Adventures. Uh, I feel like I've already said my piece. So yeah. I also want to say the last thing. Adam doesn't like it. I like it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, I think it has a good idea. And right. I think a lot of folks really connect with it. I wish I connected with it more. <laughs> but I love the tie story. I think that's like the height of so, what this comic achieves. You know, while you were saying that, I was sitting here wondering, like, I wonder if we were to take a kind of best of selection of these stories. Like yeah. Just do, did a compilation. Oh, the tie one tape. for me would go in there. Just a mixtape for yeah. you, Adam. I wonder if your response to that mixtape would be better than, than like reading all of it. I don't know. I mean, um, I might be right. Like the tie story would go in there. I think the Cassandra Kane belay story would go in there. Yeah. For sort of how it gets that. I put something, I don't know if Stephanie Brown's story is like the best one, but I like Stephanie Brown's like, yeah, sort of personality. So maybe I put it in there. Um, I don't know. Bat Cow probably goes in there because Bat Cow's in it. Damian Wayne that her discuss his discussion with Talia. Sure I think is very good. Dates back to Graham Morrison's uh, Batman. Inc. Oh, that is very funny. Yeah, incidentally, but that's neither here nor there. Right. So there's a good number of stories in here I'd want to include. Um, and there's like a lot of other stuff where sometimes I get to the end and I'm like, this is like a family circus <laughs> tear gag at the end of this. <laughs> I expected something more here. Come on, but. But know. you know the funny thing, I'm I'm glad you mentioned Family Circus because you know in a sense this hits Wayne this. Family Circus you could say. Well, but that's the thing. Like, so we exist in a world in which newspaper strips are kind of they're still there. Yeah. Um, there's still some Olivia relevant, James as Nancy right is out there. Well, there's still some relevant work being done, but I feel like for the most part, it's sort of been relegated. Um. Yeah. It's it's uh, long been in hell. Yeah. Slightly, I mean, there's like a couple of folks who are doing interesting work, but it's tough. I mean, yeah, there, there's again, I, I well, we, we don't want, I don't want to digress yeah. too much, but I feel like this fills a similar niche. Sit on the toilet, read through a chapter, wait yeah. family adventures, go back to work. No, well, I think and, you're right. And also, kind of like this in the same way as comic strips, they don't have all have to be good, but yeah. like you could do a compilation of the best of, right? And that compilation could be a bestseller. You know what I mean? Like. So, yeah. so in that sense, I, it's it's you know what's a webtoon to a you know newspaper strip? Yeah, like, I think I that's know. right. I mean, there are a lot of webtoons that take more of a conventional serialized approach, but for the kind of story this is, I think that having like a bunch of one-off stories was the right way to go. Yeah, I wish the stories were more fleshed out, and that the characters were more dynamic. However, I think all of their ideas were good ideas. Yeah, yeah. Cool. All right, I think we've we've covered that. Okay, but. 
I'm curious, Adam. What else are you up to these days? It's been a minute since we've done That's this. That's true. So, well, I saw Alien for the first time in Halloween. Which I cannot believe. Yeah. I'm, no, I'd I'm never seen Alien before. I'd read the whole plot on Wikipedia. I'd seen pictures of the alien. Are you telling all me the twist? that you were not scarred as a child? That's right. By I was chestburster. Like, I was. I was too <laughs> much of a coward, Alex. God. <laughs> I, it yeah. has nothing to do with being a coward. My parents were watching it, and I was just... Oh, boy. I, I just saw that, and it fucked me yeah. up as a kid, that man. That chestburster <laughs> scene is pretty intense, because it's like... So, for folks who haven't seen this movie, uh, there's a guy, they go to the alien planet, the freaky... Uh, what's it called? A face hugger grabs yeah. onto his face and implants something inside of them. And also, let's be clear. The problem I have... This is a problem I have with all the alien films. Nobody in the alien films believes in biological contain... Proper biological containment yeah. of any sort. Right. But that's, like, uh-oh, I'll walk right down the by the oh, giant look, freaky it's eggs. sticky stuff. Let me just yeah. stick what's my hand in it. What's that thing bubbling what away the- in there? What yeah. is wrong so with you? It's specifically that when they have like their <sighs> lunch or their dinner, right? Yeah. That the guy starts lashing around and then there's like this spurt of blood and then he really starts like freaking out after that. Like there's this point where he just almost either realizes he's going to die or just completely loses track of who he is and it's just yeah. his body lashing out at that point and that scared me, but that scene is fucking. Br- I mean, like, yeah, okay, it's like, a lot. But, but my inherent like acceptance of that suspension of disbelief. But um, that is a brilliant scene, it's, and it's horrifying. Yeah. However, I would say if the scenes that really stood out to me in the film, as a big science fiction fan, were just all of the scenes of people walking through giant spaceships, people walking around giant spaceships, yeah. people like landing on alien planets in the middle of storms people pulling like large science fictional levels and press and pressing science fictional buttons and looking at the science fictional screens. It really is a movie where it feels like the entire plot is just the set design. And it stands up fairly well. Yeah, no, it does. I was surprised. You know, there are a couple effects that are a little dated. Like at the very end when the ship explodes, the explosion kind of looks like a windows screensaver, yeah, yeah. which is still kind of cool. It's like, Oh, this sort of dates it in a fun way. Explosions. We just, it took us a while to figure them out. And yeah. CGI helped a lot. <laughs> and there's a very funny moment also near the end where the aliens in the escape ship with Sigourney Weaver's character and they push the alien. She pushes the alien out and there's a sudden jumps cut where the alien changes from like a noticeable threat to like a guy in a rubber suit or like a big puppet spinning around in midair, like, and he sort of loses like all the threat. Like, okay, he's been defeated. If he was kind of like a little puppet, the the alien is best in shadows. Okay. That's right. That is a fact. (laughs) But I mean, there's a lot of really cool stuff in this movie. There's the fact that the alien, isn't so much the villain of the movie as this like, like the big corporation that's the villain of the movie. There's this feeling of like, this is a story about animals kind of facing each other down. Yeah. Like at the very end of the film where you have Sigourney, Weenie, Sigourney Weaver's character yeah. in one corner of the escape vessel and the alien in the other corner. And there's a sense that they're just kind of staring each other down. And the alien, to me, it's just like, oh, this thing just wants to be left alone in the corner for as long as possible. I mean, and it'll tear your face off when you go to sleep. The alien is also just a creature of instinct. It's yeah, like it's there's true. no real malice. It's just it just doing what it was designed yeah. to do, which is kill to some extent survive. It's not like uh, Mike Myers kind of person where yeah. he's sort of killing because he's this force of evil. It's just this genetically engineered machine that's designed yeah. to kill things and is good at killing things efficiently, and that's what it's doing. Huh. It's like uh, a big angry cockroach yeah. like, to oh me that's God. the funnest yeah, thing about it actually it's, it's not just that it's so deadly <laughs> and that it, like it has a freaky thing in its throat that comes out and like bites off yeah. your face it's that's so tough to kill and it can just hide in places and you can't find it yeah 
like I know in the later alien movies, there's just lots and lots of aliens on screen at all time. I think that can also work. Maybe I just love how the problem of dealing with an alien is just first off finding it. And once you find it actually like knowing how to kill it before it kills you. Cause that's like the really tough thing, I yeah. suppose that um, you have people who don't have the, te- the technology to deal with this. Hold up. Let me ask you a follow-up question. Okay. Have you seen mankind's mankind's greatest fan fiction ever written avp no I, I, actually it's not true i think also, I've seen, also, I've, just for I, the record i am joking when i, I say may that, have but. seen i may i think i've seen part of it i don't okay. know if i've seen all of it but i've seen like clips maybe i think a friend of mine maybe had it on dvd maybe it was on airing on television okay i um, have seen the i've listened to the theme song of uh alien i think i don't know if it was alien colonial marines like there's a our alien infestation there's a particular alien game for the nintendo ds that had a theme a vocal theme song on it that plays over the end credits that i think was like ripped out of alien versus predator which Mm. is just really funny because like alien (laughs) it's Uh. just completely it's like early 2000s garbage rock with just lyrics describing what the alien is and how powerful your, aliens are. I don't even know what you're We can listen about. to it after the podcast. Okay, I will have to yeah. look that up. But uh, yeah, anyway, that, that that is a weird movie yeah. that kind of misses the boat entirely on what makes Alien yeah, interesting. It's but, true. Um, it was fun. For it's like as the alien the becomes reasons. more explicable, like as people yeah. obsess over what they are, how they function, what queens are, right. it feels like a loses a little bit of the magic for me but i haven't seen the other movies maybe it's not true i don't know so have you seen aliens i haven't seen aliens which i've heard is also very good but in a different way it, it is in a totally different way it's just yeah. a fun action movie really whereas the first alien is more of a like it's more of a thriller or like tense like survival because like the characters in alien are also kind of types yeah. and i i feel like what I've heard is a lot of the affection people have for the Ripley character comes out of aliens, I guess, in terms of like how she's fleshed out. That's true. Or, yeah. yeah. Well, she also gets such great one-liners. Yeah. She gets know? stuff so, in the first movie too. Uh, that's true. Um, then the third one is all right. The fourth one we don't talk about. Apparently. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, Prometheus is Prometheus, which I enjoyed it at the time. People are coming around on it a bit, I think. It's a weird movie because yeah. I don't think anyone knew what to make of it. I Again, I enjoyed it at the time, but the problem with Prometheus is that it took itself, whereas you can make a lot of excuses for Alien because... So we're apparently an alien podcast now. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I, I'll, That's I'll why keep... it's called Double AA. <laughs> the A oh, is for alien. No. <laughs> so this is right. where it starts. We're going down the rabbit hole <laughs> I'll here. Keep it quick. Okay. But I think whereas in the first alien, you can kind of make a lot of excuses for them because they're just space truckers. Like yeah. they don't know better. It's like, yeah, they'll stick their hand in the weird alien goo because like they don't fucking know better. Um, In Prometheus, this was supposedly a team of like, you know, fucking like scientists going and they don't know better and they don't know better like to the point where it's like fucking ridiculous like i i got so angry watching that movie where it's like oh yeah i'm a biologist yeah, oh, look at your, a... it looks like a snake it's behaving like a snake let me try to pet it oh no it bit me yeah 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 
No, I've and heard that like, about that movie too. Did you think would happen? Yeah. I mean, I think it's when Prometheus came out, there's so much, so much expectation, right? Yeah. And the trailer came out and the trailer was really cool. I feel like I've seen more folks afterward, like when it's removed from all expectations saying, oh yeah, if you take it on its own terms, like it does some pretty cool things, whether or not it all works perfectly well. Right. Especially because I think the later films in this vein are like much more aggressively normal. Like, okay, well, you said you wanted an alien movie, so here's an alien movie. Right. right. Well, Prometheus is doing something a little off kilter. And then there was, uh, what was the last one that came out? It's Alien Covenant. Covenant. Right? Which I actually like quite a bit. I think it was oh, kind really? of universally like everyone hated that movie because there were people but... who liked it when it came out and then some people have said oh it was trash yeah it, it i, I actually like... really enjoyed it danny mcbride yeah. in that movie is actually really good i okay. did not expect that but that's cool i like that movie yeah so anyway yeah i mean i guess the reason i brought up the set design before is just it almost feels like because they clear the stage so much like they kind of strip back the characters they strip back the characters they strip back the story they just really let you sit with everything that's being implied by the staging by the alien design and that kind of thing. And it almost feels like in a sense, of course, once they started fleshing it out in later movies, it became a lot trickier to handle because like once you start cluttering it up, it's almost like you're getting in the way of what was in that first movie. Yeah. Like there's something kind of nice about just letting it breathe, I guess. I'm really okay with the sort of lore of alien ending after aliens. Yeah. And really just like those two movies, I think they both they're so distinct from each other in some ways, but they both do interesting things with the yeah. source material. And it's an, I'm, I'm good with just that. I think there is also ways. something cool about how like the art design of the alien and then the design of like the main character's ship are noticeably different. So there's yeah, just this yeah. total clash almost. Yeah. Necessary. Aesthetically, thing can, it, it just it yeah. feels alien. It's I a mean, really it, smart yeah. call. It's a um, kind of thing where I feel like today I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not sure if it was like the time that Alien came out that they were able to pull something like that off. I was just trying to think of like what would be an equivalent of something like mm. Alien that just comes out and catches everyone off guard. I mean, something where you're like, oh man, like this is a monster that's totally unlike all these other monsters because H.R. Geiger designed them, right? Right. I was thinking like maybe like people watching Hereditary when the daughter character gets decapitated you know, in the first 30 minutes i would in say in terms of just playing your expectations there that came close to me in terms of oh yeah that's like a genre film that really breaks from what you expect right i would say right now the, the only thing out there that i could point to that's coming out right now yeah is scavenger's rain oh or was rain that what you're going to talk about that what it's called rain scavenger's rain i think is it on hbo yeah, max yeah. right I like make, 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 yeah yeah, yeah. So it was like, is that, is that am I making that up, or is that the actual name? Is yeah, Scavengers Rain finished? Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I watched the first four episodes, okay. and then I went back and was like, I need to rewatch yeah. these first four episodes because there's just so much visual detail. Did you want to talk about it, or was that something? Um, I do. No, I do actually want okay. to mention it. It is. I mean, other than, I mean, I've been playing Alan Wake too, oh, yeah. which is actually phenomenal. But that's beside the point. Um, Alan Wake two is great. But Scavenger's Reign, as far as like what's on TV right now, mm. is so exceptionally different than anything else, particularly in you know Western American uh, animation. Yeah, where I think a people should give it a chance just because of that. But secondarily, what I think it does exceptionally well is that it takes kind of it zigs where you expect it to zag in terms mm. of it is not as it is narratively driven. 
for sure, but it allows a lot of quiet moments of like, let's just watch this alien planet be alien. And yeah. that is so cool. I guess quiet moments are unusual yeah. for like American stuff, right? Like there's action to be sure. And there's a lot of banter and all of the things that you, we've come to expect from like big productions in a sense. But the fact that it, it'll just spend consecutive minutes just showing you an alien creature being alien or the planet mm. just being strange. And in a lot of ways, it feels like an indie comic. Yeah. You know, in the ways in which it will just lean into whatever it is doing at that point because it is meaningful not necessarily directly to the story but it is meaningful in establishing the character of the planet which is as much of a character as anyone else i've heard people so compare cool. it to euro comics yeah it, it feels very fresh i think when i was talking to you about yeah. it earlier i mentioned ama it's like a possible comparison yeah. Yeah. i mean it, the the mobius inspiration oh, right. is, is like right there and yeah there's a lot of like more french animation that you could kind of say it's similar to because it has that sort of uh, aesthetic that borrows from manga and yeah, anime a lot, true. but also like has a very distinctly Euro style to it. Yeah, um, but it's it's um, um, uh, what is it? Uh, the studio is Titmouse. Oh yeah, although so. Titmouse, it feels like they have a lot of the different people who work with them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but no, I I did see a good number of critics talk about it when it came out and say, oh, this is really great. Don't miss it. I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. Maybe I really should check it out. I, I, I think it's absolutely worth checking out because we don't know, honestly, under the current Zaslav. I mean, I'm amazed it came out at all. I wouldn't be <laughs> yeah. surprised. Like, I would expect that they just, like, he's killed so much other animation. You'd think he'd just get rid of this. I mean, to, to be off. fair, watch it while you can because I mean, we yeah, don't know that's probably how long true. it'll be up there. But people seem um, to really like it, and I think it's cool it somehow survived. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we'll get more of it. It yeah. would be cool if we did, but the fact that we got what, like, the. 10 episodes or so or 12 episodes we're getting, um, is astonishing. So Do we know if it's it. sort of a standalone story? I guess we don't know because the whole thing hasn't come out yet. Um, I don't, again, I haven't finished watching okay. it. So I, I'm taking my time with it because it is so lush in terms of yeah. its uh, visuals that I just kind of want to absorb it. How long is an episode? It's like 30 minutes. Okay. It's very watchable. That's reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely big recommend. Um, I will say what's wild about it is I looked at the, the cast, yeah, the voice cast and, uh, I forget her name. So this is going to be very imprecise, but the, uh, one of the voice actresses is the same actress who played, um, uh, Michael Sarah's cousin. Like it's not even like, that's not his name. Oh, like, Aubrey Plaza. <laughs> no, not Aubrey Plaza. Okay. That's Wait, not that's Aubrey Plaza no, that's that played else, his cousin on Arrested Development. Oh, Arrested Development. Okay, I thought you were about to say Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> Touche. But Touché. then Aubrey Plaza wasn't even Scott Pilgrim's cousin in Scott Pilgrim. That was someone yeah, else. Yeah, no, 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 no. It yeah. was Anna Kendrick or something. Yeah, man, there's so many people in that movie, but that's not the point. Um, but yeah, anyways, uh, I, I was kind of like, my God, I could not have picked her out with based on her voice. But yeah, but the person it. who plays Maybe, maybe. in yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, Rest of the Development. That, that's her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, she voices one of the characters, Ursula, but I was oh, that's like, cool. huh, I would not have seen that coming. Anyway. So. Nice, nice. You'll have to check that out. It's really yeah, exciting. Definitely would recommend. All right. All right, are we done? Do you want to talk done. about um, where can people find you on the internet, Alex? Oh, yeah. Um, man, I'm going to point everyone to just one place nowadays, which okay. is my the portal for the comic that I've been working on for a few years now, which is um, sandcomic.com. Um, you can pretty much find my contact information there as well yeah. as some of my social media, including my Instagram. I think I do link my Twitter, but I am never on Twitter anymore okay. these days. Since so. it's been a little bit since we last recorded, give us a little pitch on the comic, Alex. 
Um, so very fast. Oh my goodness, one or two lines. Uh, Actually, no, three or three or four lines. Okay, I'll I'll do my best. Um, sand is a planet that's created by a sibling rivalry um, between two twin deities, and then um, the story of what happens on that planet, both in terms of the fauna and flora, and then eventually uh, the tale of how a uh, well, we're not we're not there yet, but uh, the tale of how a young boy named Jonah finds a fallen star, and yeah. somehow that leads to this like great path of kind of healing this planet that well, is born cool. of trauma. And there's like two standalone issues in this world that are kind of prequels, right? Correct. That he put uh, out. With two more in production and uh, hopefully more to come. With several local artists. Yes. That are very talented. Yes. Right. Yes. Uh, currently, the two in print are uh, Jade Lee and Aaron Lissette. Uh, one in production with Margaret Huey and the fourth team. I mean, I know who it is, but right. it's not official, official it's yet. It's still a so secret. TVD. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yep. Okay. Sounds good. And all of that is on that website. Yeah. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at WBNDEGO, Wendigo. You can find me on Blue Sky at the same address. You can find me on co-host under cohost.org slash pig. Um, I write things for Crunchyroll News sometimes. There's some stuff bubbling there you might see soon. I've also written some pieces for Comics Beat recently. I wrote a piece on Frey Ren for them. I wrote about Spy Family, Masaki Yuasa. Yeah, no, Alex is a big Frey Ren fan. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm like half and half in the comic, but the anime series I think is quite good. So definitely worth checking out. Yep. And what else am I doing? Oh, I have a newsletter called Annie Wire. It's at anniewire.ghost.io. I try to update it every week. That may have to change because, um, like all the other work I'm doing, is I'm getting a little burnt out. So I'll have to see like how I shake things up. But I have stuff going up there. I'll probably have something going up this week. In fact, I guess I just what was the most recent thing I wrote about on there. Um, one piece I wrote about, I wrote about a show called Overtake, which is airing right now and is very good. If you like F4 racing or if you like sports anime, if you liked a series called Run With the Wind that came out a couple of years ago, it's like a great character-based anime about cross-country running. Wait, what's F4 racing as opposed to F1? So F1 is professional. And F4 is for junior drivers. So it's uh, very, very stripped back. And I know nothing about racing. Anyway, yeah, I don't know anything about it either. I feel like the racing parts of Overtake are probably the weakest parts, but the character-based stuff is really strong. Mm. It feels like every episode, just uh, the way that the characters are written, where you learn so much about them so quickly without it, without the show seeming to really go out of its way to tell you these things is very well done. I've mm. just been really positive, positively surprised by how this show juggles its cast. Very cool. Yeah, so I'm a fan. Yeah, and I think that's it. Awesome. Well, on that note, on thank that you note, all for joining us. Yeah, hopefully our next episode will come out sooner than oh, the yeah, last no. one. Well, we're, we're going to make up for literally after nothing. We're going to have like yeah. episodes every week. Just, it's going to be wild. We'll call it Triple A, Quadruple A. But we might have a... Oh yeah, make an appearance. If we soon. if we say it, we can will it in the beat. Absolutely, that's It'll what that happen. works. <laughs> Thank you and good night.